Good morning, everyone. How's everybody today? All right. Well, it's cold, yeah. Let's all stand together. Thank the Lord that we could come in this warm building, right? So somebody give the Lord praise or thanks for something he is, does, or will do. Yeah, right. There you go. That's it. Yeah. Smiling on, smiling on cue. Now that's pretty good. We'll get it to flash on the screen for everybody. Smile. That's good. Well, we got a lot to smile about, so let's uh, continue to remember that. So, if nobody else wants to say anything, we're going to read from Psalm. 138 today, Psalm 138. Psalm 138 is of David, and David says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. For you have been so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. May all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord. When they hear what you have decreed, may they sing of the ways of the Lord for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Now, more than likely, what I was reading was different than what was on the screen. Is that right? Yeah. So that's my fault. I forgot to change it in one place. But anyway, it's all the same stuff, you know. Still praising the Lord. The Lord is great, and that's what we've come to praise Him today. So we're going to praise Him with some songs, but before we do that, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
Reading from 1 Corinthians 23 to 29 about communion. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. 
Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day, and thank you for the many blessings we have. Amen.
Good morning. Now is the time in the service for announcements. Um, we're always collecting uh, empty pill bottles. Um, we give them to Matthew 25. They use them for lots of different things locally and across the, the world. Um, used ink cartridges can be brought in. Um, they reduce the cost of office supplies, and there are plastic bins in the foyer to put those. Food pantry closed closets every Thursday, 5 to 7. Um, donations can be dropped off there also if someone's asking you about they would like to donate some food um, or just come and serve. You're welcome to do that. We will not have the food pantry this week um, because of Thanksgiving, um, but we are having something I'll talk about a little bit later. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Refit Free Dance Fitness Class is here every Tuesday and Thursday, 6.30 to 7.30. Again, this will be canceled Thursday because of Thanksgiving. Um, Empty Nesters is having a luncheon um, at Lori's American Grill Thursday, December 1st at 1130, and they have finished up their study, but if you're looking to join something when they meet back up, please talk to Sharon Ponchot. Breakfast is better when we eat together. Um, that is the first Sunday of every month. We have breakfast fellowship downstairs at 930. If you'd like to bring something or um, just have questions about it, you can talk to Carol in the back. Greeting card ministry is just... Um, a way of intentional practice to send cards to uplift people and encourage them, people we care about. Um, more recently, we've been sending cards even to people we don't know. Like if you have a neighbor or a family, maybe that is not saved or could just use some cheering up, um, let us know as well. Thanksgiving community dinner, we are hosting that with Bluebird Bus of Hope. So that is Wednesday, November 23rd, 6 to 8 p.m., right here in the sanctuary. If you want to sign up for a meal, um, there is a flyer in, in the back um, at the welcome table to register. If you want to come and serve, we'll be here about 4.30 starting to set up. Um, we will be also delivering to-go meals, so preparing them and delivering them over to Obanon Terrace, which is senior living in Goshen. When all that's over, we're going to start planning for <laughs> Gingerbread House Decorating Party. It's a free community event. December 10th It's going to be 3 to 5 p.m. This is the place to register there. So we started this last year um, in lieu of some other things, but it was a great turnout. Little kids came in their Christmas PJs, and everyone gets their own gingerbread house to decorate. So it's not like family gets one. Everyone gets their own, and it's really just a fun time. We... Um, they are doing the gingerbread houses, and we're also giving out hot chocolate and cookies and just spending time with the community around us. So, Ties and offerings can be given in person in the offering box in the back of the sanctuary and online listed there. Weekly budgets listed here and ministries you support through your giving. Um, last but not least, um, these orange papers... Um, are from Goshen Schools. So from all the schools, we are um, adopting some of the kids for Christmas. If you're interested in buying some gifts, we have 10 names, so we'd like to be able to support them in that way. Um, see me after church at the back of the welcome table. Um, Matthew 25, if you have been a part of that before, we are going to have two skids of food brought over for the pantry, and that's going to be December 5th, which is a Monday at 3.15. So if um, people could be here about 3.30 to help unload, we would be gracious. Thank you. 10 minute meet and greet starts now.
All right, all right, all right, yeah. All right. It's good stuff. Fellowship. Nice stuff, huh? Anyway, I'll give you all a chance to get settled just to stand back up again. No, <laughs> no, so t- uh, today we're going to be in Psalm 138. So let's turn together our Bibles to Psalm 138. And we're going to read the whole psalm. We already read it earlier today, but this will be a different version. Actually, this is the right version, the one that you already heard. Anyway, Psalm 138, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. And when you find that in your Bible, please stand for the reading of God's Word. And the title of today's teaching is, Give Thanks to the Lord. In Psalm 138, 1 through 8, the Scriptures say, I will give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing your praise before the heavenly beings. I will bow down towards your holy temple. And give thanks to your name for your constant love and faithfulness. You have exalted your name and your promise above everything else. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased strength within me. All the kings on earth will give you thanks, Lord, when they hear what you have promised. They will sing of the Lord's ways, for the Lord's glory is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he takes note of the humble, but he knows the haughty from a distance. If I walk into the thick of danger, you will preserve my life from the anger of my enemies. You will extend your hand. Your right hand will save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Lord, your faithful love endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. You may be seated. So it's the holiday season. And for most of us, that means this is the busiest season of the year. In a survey of 2,000 Americans conducted by one poll and commissioned by a company called Lightbox, they found that 70% of those surveyed plan to attend at least one holiday event. Of that 70%, the average will attend 11 holiday events. The average will also spend 25 hours socializing meet five new people, and see four people that they would rather avoid. (laughs) 61% say that holiday socializing is stressful. One-third will leave events early and turn down four invitations. And 44% plan to sneak out of events without saying goodbye. And finally... On average, people will spend $788 on new outfits to go to all those events. And amid all the planning, the parties, the pies, and the presents, all these things that go on during the holidays, with all of our busyness, we can forget the purpose of the holidays, especially the holiday we celebrate, we're going to celebrate later this week, Thanksgiving. So today I want us to look at six things this psalm teaches us about giving thanks to the Lord. And you can thank the Lord that all those six points sounds like a lot. This sermon is not going to take nearly as long as it sounds. So so let's pray. (laughs) Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word. We ask you to open our ears to hear your word and know your voice. Speak to our hearts and strengthen our wills that we may serve you now and always. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the first reason we should give thanks to the Lord is give thanks to the Lord because he loves us. David starts Psalm 138 declaring to the Lord in prayer 
I will give you thanks with all my heart. And notice those words, the two little words in red, I will. So the Lord desires and he deserves our thanks. But the Lord will not force us to thank him. So David says, I will. I will give what you desire and you deserve. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. Now, the way we use the word heart, it makes us think about our feelings and our emotions. If we say that we love someone with all our heart, what we usually mean is we have good feelings about that person. But that's not what David means. In his commentary on this psalm, Patrick Reardon says, when we speak of prayer from the heart, we mean from the very core of ourselves, the center of our decision and resolve, a region vastly deeper than our emotions. So what David means when he says, I will give thanks to you with all my heart is I resolve, regardless of my feelings, I will bring every part of myself into line with God's will for me and give thanks to the Lord. I resolve to give thanks to the Lord no matter what. I make a choice to thank the Lord. When I feel like it and when I don't, I will give thanks to the Lord. And as David goes on to tell us in Psalm 138, 2, that thanksgiving comes out in worship. David says, I will bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your constant love. Now, notice again that David says, I will. I will bow down. And this can also be translated, I will worship. But God wants us to express our thankfulness to him in our worship. And this, this again, it has nothing to do with how we feel. How many of you feel like worshiping the Lord all the time? Anybody? Oh, we've got a couple of them. We need some, uh, some teaching from them, maybe. No, no, no. We don't always feel like worshiping the Lord. Is that right? Well, David resolved to worship the Lord. David resolved to give thanks, and we should do the same. And notice why David gives thanks to the Lord in Psalm 138, too. He says, I will bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your constant love and faithfulness. So David gives thanks and worships the Lord for the Lord's constant love and faithfulness. Now, David's not talking about just any kind of love here. David's not talking about the general love that God has for the world. The scriptures do teach us that God loves the world and that God even loves his enemies. But God has a special love for those who are in a covenant relationship with him. And the best way to illustrate the kind of love that David's talking about is to think about marriage. Now, I've been married to my wonderful wife for almost 23 years. And God commands me to love all people, even my enemies, just like he does. But God commands me to love my wife in a special way. And my love for my wife is different than my love for the rest of the world. And why is this? Well, it's because we're in a covenant relationship. I've bound myself to Amy, and she's bound herself to me through the covenant of marriage. We belong to one another. We made promises to one another. We made a commitment to love one another in a special way and remain faithful to one another. And there are certain benefits that we gain from this covenant relationship that we don't share with other people. And there are also certain obligations we have to one another in this relationship that we don't have to other people because of the covenant. And in the same way, the Lord binds himself to those who are in a covenant relationship with him and the church. Do we belong to the Lord? And in this covenant relationship, there are benefits that the Lord shares with us 
that he does not share with those who are not a part of his people. And there are also obligations for us and for the Lord. So the Lord obligates himself to provide for us and to care for us. And we obligate ourselves to submit to him and obey him. And the Lord remains faithful to us, and he expects us to remain faithful to him. There's a lot of emphasis in the church about God's faithfulness, but not too much about our faithfulness. But it has to go both ways. And that's what David's talking about when he gives thanks for the Lord's constant love and faithfulness. It's the special covenant love that the Lord shares with those who are connected to him in the church. Now, one of the biggest problems in the so-called Christian community is people keep mixing up the Lord's general love for the world with his covenant love for his people. And misguided teachers try to apply the promises God gives his people to people who are not in covenant with him. See, they've not turned from their sins. They've not submitted themselves to the Lord. They're not, they've not been baptized into Christ. They're not connected to Christ and his body. Yet preachers talk to everybody who shows up as if they can claim the benefits of the covenant. They, cl- they can claim the benefits of the covenant without being a part of the Lord's body, without actually being in covenant with the Lord. But we need to know If we want the benefits of the covenant, God's covenant love, then we've got to get in and stay in a covenant relationship with the Lord. Listen to what the Lord says to Moses about this in Deuteronomy 7, 9. He says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. See, this is the same language that David uses in Psalm 138. The Lord is the faithful, covenant-keeping God. And he constantly extends the benefits of his covenant love to those who love him and keep his commandments. That is, to me, that's the most important part of that verse. He extends it to those who love him and keep his commandments. See, if we don't love and obey the Lord, if we don't obey his commandments, then we cannot claim the benefits of the covenant. Now, notice back in Psalm 138, 2, David says God's covenant love for his people is constant. And at the end of Psalm 138, 8, David says, Lord, your faithful love endures forever. God's constant covenant love for his people, it causes him to keep extending faithful love to those who love God and keep his commandments. And for that love, David gives thanks to the Lord with all his heart. And David expresses that thankfulness in worship. And we who are a part of God's covenant people, by by being in Christ, by being as part of the church, by obeying his commandments, we should do the same. The Lord loves his people, and for that we should give thanks. And I promise the rest of these are not going to be as long as that first point. So as part of the Lord's covenant people, we have access to some pretty precious promises, and that brings us to the second reason the Lord's people should give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord because of his promises to us. So at the end of Psalm 138, 2, David says, I will give thanks to your name for you have exalted your name and your promise above everything else. Now, your translation may say uh, your word here instead of your promise. What David's meaning is a combination of the two. God's promise to his faithful people is found in God's word. And David says God has exalted his promise. God has exalted the truth he gives us in his word and his name above everything else. So the Lord's name is the Lord's reputation. 
And the Lord's reputation is connected to the promises he gives us in his word. And by connecting God's promises to his name, David is saying the Lord's character is only as good as his faithfulness to keep his promises. See, if the Lord's promises are no good, then neither is his name. And don't we expect this in human relationships? We expect people to keep their promises, right? We expect them to keep their word. And you probably heard the saying, you're only as good as your word. See, when we tell people that we're going to do things and we don't do those things, then people lose trust in us. And that's David's point here about the Lord. That God puts his reputation on the line through the truth that he gives us and the promises in his word. And it's not like he's not able to fulfill it. He puts it out there and says, look, just examine the word. Do what I tell you to do in the word. You'll see that this stuff is true. And we should expect God to keep his word. We should expect God to keep his promises. The Lord's promises are backed by the impeccable integrity of the God who cannot lie and who cannot fail. His promises are backed by his faithful character. Now, unlike what we often experience from in human relationships, we will never experience unfaithfulness from the Lord. As we read in Deut- uh, Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he might lie or a son of man that he might change his mind. Does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? I mean, those are obviously rhetorical questions. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is incapable of lying. It's impossible for God to be unfaithful. God will always, always do what he says. Now, there are at least 250 promises in the New Testament. Those promises are for those who are in a covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus in the church. And those promises cover everything we need for life and godliness. Some of God's promises are so profound that they may seem unbelievable to us. But the Lord's perfect character and his unlimited power, well, they give us absolute certainty that he will keep every promise he makes to his faithful covenant people. And for that, we should be thankful. So let's give thanks to the Lord because of his promises to us. Let's also give thanks for one of the ways that God fulfills his promises to us. Give thanks to the Lord because he answers us. Psalm 138.3, David says to the Lord, on the day I called, you answered me. So when we call out to the Lord, and what David's talking about here is calling out to the Lord in prayer, when we pray to the Lord, he promises to answer us. The Lord answers the prayers of his faithful people. And we see this truth taught over and over in the scriptures. For example, in 1 John 5, 14 through 15, John assures us, this is the confidence we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. And in Hebrews 4, 16, Paul urges us, let's approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace for help at the time of our need. So the Lord invites his people to approach him confidently, to come before the throne of the exalted king of the universe. Listen to this again. To come before the throne of the exalted king of the universe and to remind him of his promises and expect him to answer us when we call to him. When we pray, we should anticipate receiving God's mercy. We should anticipate finding grace 
from God to help us in our time of need. And it's God's grace that David has in mind in Psalm 138.3 when he says, On the day I called to you, the day I called you answered me, you increased strength within me. So God's grace is God's power. It's God's divine strength at work within us. We tend to think of grace as God is just overlooking things. Well, that's, that's mercy more. It's not grace. Grace is God's power. Mercy is God that says, okay, I'm not going to hold you accountable for that. Grace is God's power. So when the scriptures say we're saved by grace through faith, that means we're saved by God's power, not our own power. That's what he's talking about. God's grace is God's power. It's God's divine strength at work within us. And whenever we pray, we draw from the endless stream of divine strength that flows from the throne of our glorious God. When we call to the Lord in prayer, and when we pray according to his will, where do we find his will? We find it in his word. When we pray according to God's will, the Lord assures us that he will answer us. He'll give us what we ask for. And for that, we should give thanks to the Lord. So what we need to do is learn to make it our aim, to pray about everything. Again, God has given us promises in his word to cover every area of our lives. So we take those promises, we pray to the Lord, we're praying according to his will, and he guarantees us that we will, he will give us what we ask for. So let's give thanks to the Lord because he answers us. Now, one reason the Lord answers us is because he cares for us. And that's the fourth reason we should give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord because he cares for us. In Psalm 138.6, David shows us two sides of God's character. He says, though the Lord is exalted, he takes note of the humble. The Lord is the most high God. In theological language, that means that God is, theological language, it's God is transcendent. And what this means is God is far above, he's unlike, and he's separate from all creation. But the scriptures also reveal that God is very near to his creation. He's personally involved in caring for his creation. All of creation looks to him to supply our needs. And the Lord is especially involved in supplying the needs of his humble covenant people. And that's what David means when he says God takes note of the humble. So when we submit ourselves to the Lord as our head, when we humble ourselves under his mighty hand, the Lord promises to take care of us. But notice that David says in Psalm 138.6, there's another type of people that he doesn't take notice of. He's talking about the proud. David says the Lord stays away from the proud. Now, we don't want to find ourselves among proud people who refuse to submit to God and walk in his ways because God stays away from people like that. And in effect, when we're proud and arrogant and we don't walk in the Lord's ways, we're cutting ourselves off from the only source of life. James teaches us this same truth in James 4, 6 through 10. He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So then submit to God, resist the devil, and he will run away from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart, you hypocrites. Be sorrowful, cry and weep. Change your laughter into crying and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. See, we don't want God resisting us. We want 
We need God constantly giving us his grace. We need his face shining on us and him looking on us with favor, giving us what we need to live the life he wants us to live. But to have that, we've got to be among the humble. We've got to be among those who constantly submit to God and constantly receive God's grace to live for him. We've got to keep coming to God to sustain us. Never get a big head and think that we can do anything on our own because we can't. You know, I say this a lot, but if, if God were to ever take our breath from us from one second, we would all be gone, right? He sustains us. We're only here because he allows us to be, right? So we got to make sure we're humbling ourselves under God's mighty hand and expect him to raise us up in due time. So David acknowledges this truth at the end of Psalm 138.8 when he pleads with the Lord, do not abandon the work of your hands. See, David knew that he and all of the Lord's people are the work of the Lord's hands. Paul says we're the Lord's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And we can only live those, the, the life that God created us to live in Christ, the life where we live a continual life of good works. We can only live that life by the grace of God. And knowing this truth and embracing this truth will keep us from becoming proud. See, when we remember that we cannot live without the Lord, then we'll keep humbly submitting ourselves to him. We'll keep looking to him to sustain us. When we humble ourselves before God, that God takes care of us and he gives us the grace to live for him. So let's give thanks to the Lord because he cares for us. And one of the ways the Lord cares for us is the fifth reason we should give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord because he saves us. How many of us have enemies? See, we all have enemies, right? We fight with spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. We tend to focus on enemies we can see, but the biggest enemies are the ones we can't see. The Satan roams around the earth looking to devour God's people. Sin is an enemy that we all fight in various ways. And we're all going to have many opportunities to be tempted, to get off track, to fall away from the true faith, to become lukewarm and complacent and have the Lord spew us out of his mouth. We don't want that, right? We don't have to have that because there's a powerful promise in Psalm 138.7. David says, if I walk into the thick of danger, you will preserve my life from the anger of my enemies. You will extend your hand and your right hand will save me. See, when we remain faithful to the Lord, no weapon our enemies form against us will prosper. The Lord promises to preserve us and save us from our enemies. And we may find ourselves walking through deep danger surrounded by spiritual enemies. But if we'll constantly call to the Lord, if we'll constantly pray to the Lord, he will extend his right hand and he will save us. Now, the Lord's right hand, it represents his divine power. And I think I've already said this, that the Lord's power is limitless. There's no end to his power. It's infinite power. And what this means is, and what we as God's people need to get through our heads is God's power to save us from our enemies is limitless. How many Christians walk around as if we have to give in to sin? We have to give in to Satan. We just can't help ourselves. Well, if we know what the Lord says, then we should never give in to sin. We should never give in to Satan because the Lord will fight for his faithful people. Our God will save us. You know, our enemies, they come in many forms. 
Maybe your enemy is doubt. Maybe your enemy is fear. Maybe your enemy is some sin that you're easily ensnared by. You say that you're going to stop, but you get drawn back into that sin over and over again. Maybe your enemy is unforgiveness. Maybe your enemy is slothfulness in spiritual matters. Maybe your enemy is pride or greed or lust, and the list could go on and on. I want you to think about the enemies that are attacking you right now. What is this thing that's waging war against your soul? So you have that picture in your mind, right? What is it that's attacking you? Well, now I want you to get your mind off of that and get it on to the Lord and make up your mind that from now on you're never going to let that enemy, you're never going to let him win another battle against you. You're never going to let any of your enemies win another battle against you. You're not going to let sin win. You're not going to let Satan win. You're going to leave every excuse behind because we got a lot of excuses, right? This is why I can't do it. This is why I can't do it. We need to get our minds on the Lord, what the Lord tells us we are in Christ. We got to fight our enemies God's way. So how do we fight God's way? Well, we do what Paul told us to do in Hebrews 4 and what James told us to do in James 4. We approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace for help at the time of our need. So when doubt comes against us, fear comes against us, sin comes against us, we approach God's throne of grace and we ask him to give us the strength to overcome that. And we expect him to hear our prayer. We humble ourselves before God. We resist the devil. Listen to this. We have to resist the devil, right? That's another thing, too. God is not saying that he'll, we just got to sit back and he'll take care of it. No, we have to do our part by resisting the things that come against us. Resist the devil, and he will run away from us. We come close to God, and God will come close to us. We wash our hands. We purify our hearts and make sure that our loyalty is not divided between God and the world. We humble ourselves before the Lord, and the Lord will lift us up and save us from our enemies. The Lord will raise us up and save us from our enemies. Whatever enemy comes against us, we never have to give in to our enemies. We never have to lose a battle to our enemies because the Lord will save us from our enemies. And that's a reason to be thankful. So let's give thanks to the Lord because he saves us. Let's also give thanks to the Lord that we're on the sixth and final point, and we're going to give thanks to the Lord for a final reason. Give thanks to the Lord because he fulfills his purpose for us. The Lord has a purpose for all of us. And as David says in Psalm 138.8, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Now, in our individualistic society, we tend to put too much emphasis on the me in this verse. We focus on individual purpose. We tell people, go on out and find what your purpose is, do all this and that. But the biblical emphasis is always, always on our purpose in connection with the community of God's people. It's always in connection with, our, with, with, with what we are in Christ in the church. So what is the Lord's purpose for you? What is the Lord's purpose for me in the church? That's the question we need to ask. And Peter answers that question for us in 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. He says, God's divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And by these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, 
you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. So notice why God gives us his promises. And so that through his promises, we might share in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world. This is what the gospel message is. God, Jesus came to the earth to unite his divine nature with our human nature so that we could share in the divine nature, so that he could make us like him. He became like us so that we could become like him. That's God's purpose for each and every person who becomes a member of the church. Now, Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 4, through 24. God's purpose for us is to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. So God's purpose for us is to save us from the enemies of our old life, to save us from sin, Satan, and death. And that's not by patching up our old lives. That's by killing off our old lives and bringing us into a brand new life. It's where we renew, he renews our lives in such a way that eventually we all look exactly like God. In other words, God's purpose for creating humanity and God's purpose for recreating humanity through Jesus is so that he can have a family of sons and daughters who are completely conformed to the image of his divine son, Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul teaches us in Romans 8, 28 through 29. He says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to, be, to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. See, that's our destiny. That's our purpose, to be conformed to the image of our divine human big brother, Jesus Christ. And how does God fulfill this purpose for us? Well, through our union with Christ in the church. Through rebirth and the renewing of our minds, we're being transformed and we're being conformed to the image of Jesus. As we obey the commands of the Lord Jesus, he forms within us his moral character, his love for God and others, his passion and love for the truth. And God's goal in all of this is that when people look at us, they see Jesus and all that we say and do. Saints, can we strike something from our vocabulary once and for all? Let's never again say, don't look at me, look at Jesus. Can we not say that ever again? I mean, it's not scriptural, right? The scriptures tell us that we should be able to look at people in the church and say, hey, there's Jesus. We're a part of his body. We're connected to him. When people look at us, they should see Jesus in us, right? So what we've done is given ourselves a cop-out to say, I'm I'm really not like Jesus at all. Well, here's the problem. If we're not like Jesus, I can tell you right now, we're not going to make it into his kingdom. We won't make it. That's the seriousness of the matter that we're talking about. There's a lot of cliches that are said by Christians that just aren't true. We need to get to the place where we can say to everybody, look at me, follow me as I follow Christ. We should be able to do that. And if we're not doing that, again, we need to change our thinking and get our lives in line with God's goal for us. See, God's goal is that when people look at us, they see Jesus and all that we say and all that we do. That's God's purpose for us. In any area of our lives where we're not like Jesus, where we're falling short of the image of Christ, 
Well, that's an area that we're not allowing God to fulfill this purpose for us. But if we'll keep trusting and obeying Jesus, if we'll live in the grace that God pours out on us abundantly in the church through his precious promises, well, God's power within us will continue to conform us, to mold us, to shape us into the image of his son until we become by grace what Jesus is by nature. See, God's purpose for us is to make us exactly like Jesus. And any message that's different than that is not the gospel at all. If we remain faithful to God by obeying his commandments, God will fulfill his purpose for us, and for that we should be thankful. Now, as we close, we have so many things for which we should give thanks to the Lord. But let me encourage you as you celebrate Thanksgiving this week, as you thank the Lord for the pumpkin pie and all these fancy things you get, you know, I, I like... Um, Cranberry sauce, but a lot of people don't like that. All these fancy things you get, these great meals that we're going to have, these times we're going to have with our family. As we celebrate Thanksgiving this week, remember to give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord because he loves us. Give thanks to the Lord because of his promises to us. Give thanks to the Lord because he answers us. Give thanks to the Lord because he cares for us. Give thanks to the Lord because he saves us. Somebody should give him thanks. And last but certainly not least, Give thanks to the Lord because he fulfills his purpose for us by conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. For all of those and many more reasons, today and always, let's give thanks to the Lord. And let's all stand for prayer. Father, you are so good to us, and we have so much to be thankful for. We thank you for your love for us, and that your love causes you to fulfill your promises to us, to care for us and answer our prayers. We thank you for saving us and for continuing to fulfill your purpose for us as we rely on your grace to make us like your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, help us to remain faithful, remain thankful in all things, and help us to express that thankfulness with words and works and worship that honor your name. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. So they're going to sing a final song. While they do that, you're welcome to come forward if you want to pray. Uh, if you've got a question about something I've said today, I'll, I'll be available afterwards to answer your questions. Uh, if you want to, if, you, if there's sickness in your body, you need any kind of strength from the Lord, we invite you to come forward and we'll pray for you. If you just want to pray by yourself, you can do that as well. So I'm, I'm going to speak the Lord's blessing over you all, then they're going to sing a final song. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Say.